You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Testing. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? It was good to be here. My name is uh, Daniel Kim. I go by DK. I'm the same person. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, but before I start my lesson, I wanted to kind of share a few uh, things on my spiritual walk. I thought some fun facts. Um, I have a few pictures for you guys. You know, this is the campus ministry I was part of. Uh, this is the Long Beach campus ministry. Uh, I grew up, had a lot of my roots from here spiritually. You know, a lot of my best friends were actually forged here. And believe it or not, there's actually a lot of people in this church that came from here. You know, there's the Andrew Desarios, there's the Jimmy Chang, Jericho, Norris, Catherine Peckman. Uh, there's a lot of us. And uh, I love being part of this campus ministry. Uh, it was so rewarding. Um, you know, when I first got baptized, there were only about 30 disciples. Over a span of three years, I actually got to see over 100 disciples being made. It was inspiring. It was, it was so cool. Just let me show you another picture there. See how we got bigger? You guys see that? So we couldn't even fit everybody. I remember I'm somewhere in the back. I don't know if you can see me. But I'm somewhere there, blended in. But we were just so big. It was such a big family. I loved it. You know, I actually also got to go on a one-year challenge. And for those that don't know what the one-year challenge is, is when you graduate from college, they ask you to serve somewhere one year, anywhere in the world. And I chose to go to Seoul, Korea, my roots. And those are the Korean disciples right there, your brothers and sisters. Um, if you look at them, they're just so funny, right? They have peace signs. I don't know why the Asians do that, but we do peace signs. It's an Asian thing. We're just programmed that way. Uh, <laughs> but I just love how they're so pure-hearted. You know, what I appreciated about them was just their love and dedication for God. They, they didn't care how they looked. Uh, they didn't care how they, you know, looked across others. They just loved God. And that's one thing I really got from them. Here's another picture. <laughs> that's our uh, Halloween picture. The guy in the middle in the front with the karate suit on, his name is Michael. And for you guys that don't know, Koreans don't have English names. They don't have American names. So we make one up. I don't know. They just make it up when they turn like 18 years old. And... His name is Michael because he loves Michael Jackson. So that's how it works. And so everybody I met, they asked me what my name was. And then they gave me their American name. And I was like, why did you pick that? Oh, I loved them growing up. I watched, they're a movie star, famous movie star. And so that's just the way they are. They're so fun. This is me actually uh, growing my hair out in Korea. This is my curly hair. I bet you guys didn't think I can grow uh, curly hair, huh? No, I'm just kidding. This is me uh, getting ready for a Halloween party here. That's a wig. That's not real, but this one is. This is actually my real hair. <laughs> Some of you guys probably remember me like this. I don't know why I grew out my hair. I just did. There were barber shops in Korea. I just decided not to get it cut, and uh, I just thought it was kind of cool to be part of this journey without getting a haircut. <laughs> like I can come back with more wisdom, like Samson. I don't know if it happened, but I tried. So this is right when I came back from Korea. Whoa, how did that pop up? This is my, uh, my beautiful girlfriend, Norris. Uh, the picture on the left is when we first started dating two years ago. Uh, I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes, and uh, that's important. And uh, on the right is a more recent picture on my birthday we took, and uh, it's been very encouraging. I appreciate her friendship a lot. Um, 
You know, but you know, now that I'm on staff for the singles, you know, I'm so excited. I'm so fired up. You know, I love the singles here, and I love all the relationships that I have. Um, you know, but I want things to happen right away. You know, all the conversations I had with people, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do this now. Let's do it today. But you guys know there's, 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 you know, there's a progress to everything. It takes steps. You know, we all want to see change right away, don't we? You know, um, you know, we can all feel that way. We want to grow. We want progress. We want spiritual change. You know, we want it immediately. But the interesting thing is when Jesus talked about growth, Jesus, you often use the analogy about seeds and farming. Jesus talked about sowing the vine, sowing the seed. He talked about how it becomes small to large. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come perch in its branches. You know, has anyone ever sat there and watched a tree grow in front of you? <laughs> Have you ever sat there and watched a tomato grow if you guys are gardening? No, right? It'd take too long, right? It, we don't have the time or patience for that. But I want to show you a video of a time lapse of plants and, 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 and flowers blooming right in front of our eyes. Take a look. There we go. watching that forever, right? Thank you, National Geographic. They never let us down. Uh, when I first watched that, I was just mesmerized by it. Uh, but you guys notice, you know, it took a lot of hours, a lot of, it took many days, it took many months for this to process. You know, we can't see the change right away, but there's a time period that it did. You know, botanical growth is slow and steady. It's not instantaneous. You know, it's the same thing with the kingdom of God, like that passage we just read. The kingdom of God starts small to large. It started off with Adam and Eve, then it went to uh, Noah, then all the disciples and all the nations. You know, it started off with Jesus, and then he worked with his small group of disciples, and then they impacted the whole world. The whole Roman Empire was impacted. You know, it's crazy when I think about that. You know, you use regular, unschooled, ordinary men to make that much of a difference. You know, how did he change the world? Well, it took three things. The three key things, the kind of growth that Jesus was describing, were nourishment, time, 
uh-oh, and cultivation. You know, botanical growth is slow and steady, but the most important thing is it grows. You know, our main text will be coming from John chapter 15. As you guys start turning there, I'm going to go ahead and pray for the, the sermon. John chapter 15. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for uh, just this day. Thank you for just how the sun just rises again and, and it, we just have a new fresh day to start. You know, thank you for uh, uh, giving us all the relationships in here, all the friends and family. Uh, thank you for your word of God, how it never changes and it's constant, no matter how much that we can change or our emotions can get in the way. Thank you for giving us a reliable source to get to and, 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 and read. Uh, God, thank you for everything. Thank you for your son, Jesus, or else, you know, this would not all be possible. I pray that you be with this lesson. Please take me out of the way. I pray that uh, the people here could be impacted. You can soften their hearts and that the word of God can just penetrate. God, we love you. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first point is uh, nourishment, and uh, it's going to be coming out of our main text in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. The vine and the branches. It reads, I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bear, does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, my first point is nourishment, and it comes out of verse 4. You know, I'm going to kind of break this passage down, so this is going to be kind of our theme text here. But it says, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, our relationship with God is what keeps us growing, right? If you depend on yourself, you know, the, the scripture talks about how it's going to be fruitless. You know, if we depend on our own efforts, we're not going to grow. You know, I want to show two quick funny videos about uh, these two different people vacuuming, uh, a.k.a. vacuuming fails. They're going to fail really bad, and we get to go ahead and watch and laugh at them, okay? So here we go. <laughs> gosh, isn't that funny? These guys were vacuuming without being connected to the power source. You know, they were working so hard. And you know what's funny, but you know, we laugh, but can't that be us too spiritually? You know, we're working so hard. We're, we're, we're doing it on our own. We're working on our own strength, but we're not connected to the source. We're not plugged into the source, which is God, which is Jesus. 
You know, the fact that this microphone can project my voice right now and that you guys can hear me, it's great, it's vital. If I didn't have this microphone, I would have to work so much harder. I would have to like yell and scream at you guys and lose my voice, right? It's vital. You know, this, this is what we need from God. You know, it's foolish, you know, to think that we're gonna grow if we're not connected to Jesus. You know, in the same way spiritually, sometimes we're white knuckling through our day to day. And no wonder we feel exhausted spiritually. We don't feel spiritually refreshed. You know, so what are we implying when we aren't plugged into the source? You know, we're implying that we don't really need God. You know, now that I've been a Christian for, you know, a few years, or, you know, maybe I've been a Christian for a long time, I feel like I got this. I'm good. But the reality is none of us are that good, right? You know, we all want to grow and be nourished by God. No one wants to say the same. But sometimes we just need to be reminded, amen? So the good news is there is hidden progress when you stay plugged into the source. This is a profound teaching, staying plugged in. So how do we apply this? What does this mean? Well, if there's one thing that you can do to revolutionize your spiritual life, is reading your Bible daily. That's the one simple thing that we can do and working on it every single day. It's staying connected to the power source. You know, what goes, what God is here is gonna keep us here, right? And what God is here, guys, the Bible, the word of God. When someone opened it for us, we read it and it was powerful. It, it cut to our hearts. That's the same thing that's gonna keep us here. You know, it's really a simple choice, but it yields such powerful results. You know, I drive all the time for work, and uh, what I do is uh, we have uh, hospice medical software, and so we give it to the hospices so that they can use it for their nurses and their doctors, and so that there's no more paper charting. So if I'm the doctor and I do something, the nurse can see it and vice versa. So this is the world that we live in, but with my work, I have to drive all the time. You know, I drive to Orange County, I drive to uh, San Diego, Bakersfield, I go all over. And a lot of times on the road, sometimes I can't just sit there and read my Bible, right? It's kind of hard, it'd be kind of dangerous. You wouldn't want to drive next to me if I was doing that. You know, but the cool thing is I just found out from Steve and Brian and different people that there's a Bible audio app and it's free. Did you guys know that? It's like mind-blowing. I didn't know it was free. I thought you had to pay like a you know, $15 membership a month or whatever they charge, but it's free. You know, and you can listen to it in different voices. You know, if you want to listen to it more majestically, more eloquently, you can do that, and it really keeps you engaged. You know, I thought it was really cool. Um, and, and the Bible is even more accessible than it was ever before. Uh, praying. Praying is another way we stay connected to God. You know, there's something powerful about having to rely on God and not on your own strength, Right? You know, I love how we can pray to God anywhere we go, no matter where. And, you know, the encouraging thing is when we become disciples and we get baptized, what do we receive? The Holy Spirit. And do you guys know that Jesus, the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus lives in us? Amen. Think about that. This Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus, it lives in us as well. You know, the, there's so much to learn about our boundless, unlimited God that we serve. You know, so much. Are we tapping into that source? We need to be connected to the power source to grow. I have a quick practical for you guys. I used to be in the team ministry, and uh, being with the teens, we just gave them simple practicals, because why? They're measurable. You know, I want to encourage you guys, try seven for seven quiet times and prayer time with God this week. What does that mean? That means just read your Bible, get some prayer time. If it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just read a little bit. I guarantee you, if you guys do it for seven days straight, not six, not five, but seven, you guys will grow. Test it. Try it out. You know, if you're a first time visiting today, you know, ask the person who invited you out to church to study the Bible. 
we would love to sit down together with you guys and open up the word of God. You know, your relationships with people can also provide nourishment. You know, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know, Paul has such a genuine, deep relationship with the Thessalonians. You know, he lived with them. He taught them. He trained them. You know, if you look in that verse, it says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. You know, I can't think of a deeper relationship than a mother and a child, can you? Just think about, that's how Paul was talking to the Thessalonians. You know, his relationship with the Thessalonians emphasized the emotional aspect of Paul's love for these people who were so dear to them. You know, do you guys have these kind of relationships, these deep, rich relationships? You know, no matter what stage of life you're in, everyone should have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. You know, what do I mean by that? Well, Paul is your classic mentor, someone who's older than you, who's more spiritual than you, who's more experienced than you, someone who can pour their life into you. You know, Paul used to spend a lot of time with Timothy. He would raise him up. He called Timothy his son in the faith. You know, he put his encouragement into Timothy. He put his, his training into Timothy. You know, I was fortunate, you know, enough to have some great mentors in my life. You know, one of the guys, I have, so, I have a lot of great mentors that I have, but the few that come to mind is Tommy Tang. Tommy Tang was, uh, you guys know Tommy Tang. He was my roommate uh, when I first became a disciple. I lived with him, and just to see his daily walk with God, it was so inspiring. I saw him five in the morning having his quiet time, reading his Bible. He wouldn't even eat, and Asian people love eating rice in the morning. He didn't even eat. He was just reading his Bible, and he was always taking out sisters on dates. Uh, he had strong convictions. You know, it really inspired me. I learned all my basics from Tommy, my daily walk with God. Tommy walked me through it all, and he's also one of my best friends to this day. You know, I can pick up the phone and call him. Even though he's in Houston, I feel like I can still talk to him. It doesn't matter how much time has passed on. You know, another person I think of is Steve Stevenson. You guys might know him, too. He used to be in the church in uh, uh, Long Beach and he used to be an evangelist, and now he's in Virginia. And Steve, if you guys know him, one thing about Steve Stevenson is he's super passionate, right? He's super convicting. He has high convictions, and he has such great vision for the world. You know, when I was in campus, and I was a campus intern, I was getting a lot of training from Steve. He put a lot of convictions in me that I never had. He helped me to think about the vision, about helping each soul one by one the whole world to be impacted. And it was actually the main reason why I did the one-year challenge to Korea. He was just that inspiring. You know, another person now, you know, that I have now is Steve Marici, another Steve. I don't know what's up with the Steves. Uh, but you know, I really appreciate our times together. I look up to Steve because, you know, he's ahead of me in life. You know, he's held a secular job, was highly successful. I want to be there one day. Um, we also got Star Wars and other cool hobbies that we share that we can talk about. But no, in all seriousness, I, I look up to Steve. You know, he's experienced, he has more experience than I have. He's down a further path than I can, I'm currently on, and I look up to him. You know, I always feel uplifted, empowered, with the sense of direction after our times together. What about you guys? Do you guys have a Paul? Who is your Paul? Who's the person that's giving you guidance? Who's giving you mentoring? You know, if you don't have it, there's plenty of Pauls around. You just gotta look. We have them right in this church. You know, Barnabas was another companion of Paul. You know, Barnabas and Paul uh, went on this first missionary journey after Pentecost. 
Paul and Barnabas were peers and sent out from the same ministry, and you can read that in Acts 13. You know, they walked through life together. They served together. They were each other's peers, and they got encouragement from each other. You know, they were each other's friends. When times got rough, Paul would encourage Barnabas. When days were harder, Barnabas would encourage Paul. You know, we need a lot of friendships here. You know, that's what's going to get us through. Your Pauls can pour into you. Your Pauls could give you mentoring. But your, your, your Barnabases are going to be the ones that really know you in depth because you guys spend time together all the time. Amen? And, and finally, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. This is Timothy, someone who you train and pour into. Just like I talked about the relationship with Paul and Timothy, Timothy got a lot of training from Paul. It's because Paul was willing to do that. Who are you willing to train? Who are you passing off your knowledge? You know, when you guys think about it, there is, there is no self-made man, right? Or woman. We, we all got here somehow, right? Somebody opened the Bible with us and shared us, uh, their life and listened to our sin. And that's why we made it. So why are these relationships important? Why? Because there's some of us that can be lone rangers. You know, we, we like to be independent. Uh, uh, we like to do it on our own. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's good to be independent, but sometimes we just need to be connected to our relationships, amen? You know, we, we can come on church on Sundays, but then Monday through Saturday live on an island. I know it because I've done that. And it was so hard to feel connected to people. You know, but when you have your Pauls, your, your Barnabases, your Timothys, you have people that can talk to you. Why? Because they almost have a license to tell you anything, right? Because they know you. If someone else talked to me that didn't know me and was trying to give me advice, I might be more prideful. Honestly, I might be more defensive. But if it's one of my Pauls, one of my Timothys, people that are invested in me, I want to listen. You know, who are your Pauls, who are your Timothys, and who are your Barnabases in your life? If you already have all three, keep it up. That's great. Find some more. You know, some of us might be doing well in our Timothy and, and Barnabas relationships, but we're lacking Paul relationships. We don't have mentors. So my practical for you guys here is simply, well, here's, I forgot to show this picture, but here's your Paul, your Timothy, your Barnabases on your side. Your Paul is somebody that you're trying to strive to become. Your Timothy is who you're training, and your Barnabases are your friends. You know, my challenge for you is to identify your Paul, your Timothy, your Barnabas relationships. Who are they? If you don't have all three, pray and go after them here in this church. You know, if you're a guest here again, you're probably not sure what this is. You know, I encourage you to maybe ask someone about getting connected to one of our small groups. You know, we would love to get to know you, share our lives with you. Amen? My second point is time. You know, I want to talk about how you can grow over time. I want to talk about how the power of consistency is powerful. Because there is hidden progress when you focus on the small things with consistency. You know, the Bible is littered with examples of people who are righteous with the power of consistency over time. You know, I think about Jesus. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed to God. You know, Daniel went in his room, closed the door, got on his knees and prayed, what, three times a day. Noah was righteous before the flood came. He was already doing it. Uh, David, David was killing bears and lions before he killed Goliath. You know, and David was also taking care of God's sheep before he took care of, uh, uh, excuse me, God's sheep, before he started shepherding God's people. You know, these people were doing this long before it was captured in Scripture. There's no, there's no wonder why they grew spiritually over time. You know, so the key is staying radically consistent. Let's look back at our text. John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, it doesn't say when, but it says you will. You know, it's under God's timing. Sometimes things just take time. When you think about how a fruit ripens, it doesn't happen right away, right? It takes seasons. You know, anyone can grow close to God after a retreat, a sermon, a a conference, right? You feel at such a spiritual high, like, oh, my goodness. I remember a time when I uh, went to my first ICMC. Uh, uh, It was in Louisiana, New Orleans. And uh, do you guys remember Hurricane Katrina? Remember how bad that disaster was? So about a year afterwards, the campus students all went to Louisiana, New Orleans, and some of the streets were still messed up. You know, they they had broken signs, they had uh, rocks all over the place, and it was so cool that, you know, thousands of students got together and we were shoveling um, the rocks out, digging holes and cleaning, and it was so inspiring. I was so impacted, my my, uh, first ICMC. Uh, The worship was great. I don't know if Brian Craig was leading it, he probably was. Uh, The worship was amazing, and all the lessons were just so impactful. But when I got back home, you know, that fire started dying down. My spiritual high from that conference started dissipating. A week after and another week after, I just started straying from God. I wasn't in my quiet times. You know, I wasn't in a lot of Bible studies. You know, I wasn't making God a priority, honestly, because I was just getting lazier. I was drifting. You know, the good news is I had awesome brothers that were in my life that I was able to get open with, and they just brought me back. You know, but what's my point here? My point is that we can all be like this, right? We can feel super inspired and rely on the wave from a retreat or a conference or a sermon, right? But sometimes the quicker you, you, you rise, what happens? The quicker you fall. You know, I believe Satan doesn't fear the person that reaches only spiritual highs. I think Satan doesn't fear that because he knows that's, not, that's short-lived. You know, Satan is more afraid and threatened of the disciple who is consistent on the small things over time. You know, that is not only hype, but conviction. You know, the disciples that don't compromise their quiet, quiet times, their meetings of the body, their friendships, Satan's more fearful of those because they're consistent all the way across. You know, does that describe your relationship with God? You know, are you consistent with the small things? If not, what are some ways you can start? You know, maybe it's being consistent with your family devotionals, with your kids, and not missing them. You know, how would that impact your family? What spiritual growth would that produce? You know, I was super encouraged. I came over to Brian Craig's house on Monday just to kind of go over my sermon, and uh, they were having dinner. Uh, I forgot what we were eating. We were eating uh, chili. And it was so encouraging because uh, they had their family devotional, and they actually used our main passage today in John 15, and what I got out of it that was so cool is just seeing all their family talking about God. You know, I saw Cora, I saw Marshall, I saw Jameson talking about God at such a young age. You know, things that I wasn't able to comprehend at their age. You know, how radically would that change your family? What spiritual growth would that produce? You know, single brothers, you know, maybe it's being more consistent with taking the sister on encouragement dates. You know, we have so many great sisters to choose from that need encouragement. You know, are we doing our good job of being consistent? You know, the married brothers, maybe still helping your wives feel pursued. You know, that you're still encouraging with the little, ki- little things that you used to do at first. Just the simple things, staying consistent, right? I heard that when you get married, you can't stop dating your wife. That's to keep going, right? You got to keep that fire going. I'm not, I'm not married, so I don't know too much, but 
That's what I've heard. <laughs> you got to figure out ways to cultivate and keep the fire on the logs. That's what I've heard. Uh, some of us, maybe it's just as simple as being consistent to the meetings of the body on time. Maybe it's just about coming to service on time. So service starts 10.30 next week. Maybe you've got to be here at 10.15. You know, maybe it's the little things. It's not this big radical thing you have to do. Let's look at another quick passage. In Job chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the last of us, they lived, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. Wow, that's a large, that's a lot. And a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of fasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and curse God in their hearts. You know, this was Job's regular custom, to offer sacrifices to God in case his family sinned. You guys think about that? In case his family sinned. It wasn't that his family sinned. This is in case. You know, his, his consistent preparation is something to be modeled, isn't it? But I want to ask you guys, so why do we fail at being consistent? What makes it difficult? Well, we live in a world that everything is now, 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 right? It's... It's me, it's let's do this now, I want to see results. You know, you guys hear about all these diets, right? I don't know them all, but I know like the Atkins diet, the Jenny Craig diet, the paleo diet, right? There's all these diets. Uh, and it's not necessarily that one is better than the other, right? But it's that if you just stay consistent with one of them, you will see results. You know, I remember one time I did a, a diet and I was trying to get six pack and uh, I was working on it, I saw the first two and then I stopped. I was like, yes. I wanted to reward myself, so I got some in and out three by three, and then I lost it in a week. You know, I wasn't staying consistent. I was, I was happy for my two-pack, but I didn't have my six. You know, but it's, that's, how it, that's how it is, though, guys, for us sometimes spiritually. I know it's funny, but sometimes spiritually it's the same thing. We want a quick fix, right? We want this quick fix. You know, maybe we, maybe we fast just for like a week. Oh, that's hard. Fast for seven days straight. What could happen? How much can I grow? You know, seven days consistently. Has anyone ever did that? Wow, seven days, that's good. Uh, it's tough, and you will grow. But you know, I respect the person more that has been giving their tithes, I mean, excuse me, have been giving their offering consistently for the last 20 and 30 years. To me, that's more powerful. To me, that's more impactful. Why? Because in a course of time, they've been giving consistently every single week. That's great faith. So if you guys have been doing that, thank you guys for that. Thank you for your faith. I want to be there one day. You know, I think of, you know, when I think of consistent people, you know, I think of some consistent people in this very church, the people that are being consistent now. You know, you always talk to some disciples or some people are like, yeah, I served Kids Kingdom 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, I used to be in a Bible study. Or yeah, you know, I shared my faith a month ago. But I appreciate the people that do it now. It's something about people that talk and, and, and show you your action now, isn't it? You know, I, I just really encouraged by all the people that help with the sound. Gosh, we wouldn't have this amazing service without the people that help with the sound. You know, let's give them a hand. You know, I think about those guys. They're always here early in the morning on their Sunday. Oh, I need my sleep on Sunday mornings. But they're here. 
You know, even I want to lift up Jose Quintero. He's our single brother that transferred from Long Beach. And the first month he's here, he already volunteered to want to help with the sound. You know, that's being consistent. You know, our ushers, when I think of ushers, I just think of Jay. He does everything. <laughs> he's in the parking lot. He's in the bathroom. He's in the back. He's uh, helping us with our communion. He, I feel like there's like seven J's. He's just like, he's so fast. He's like a ninja. But he's always serving. That just shows you his consistency. You know, first impressions. There's so many of you guys right now. But I think of Salma and Mike Casillas. Man, I thought you're only supposed to do it one time, one rotation. They've done it like five rotations in a row. You know, when it's raining. You know how we've been getting rain lately? No. <laughs> it's been raining, and I see them with their lab coats on and their, their raincoats, and they're holding the signs, and they're ushering people in. You know, that's consistency right there. You know, I think of Kingdom Kids teachers. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of you guys. I'm missing out some names. But the people I can think of is, is not being biased, it's Narice, my girlfriend, and Janelle. You know, they've done it like four or five rotations. And I asked them, like, why are you guys doing it so many times? You know, you guys got to give other people a chance to serve. I was like, the babies are not going to want to go to see anyone else. They're only going to like you guys. Um, but they just tell me they love it. They love to serve. They love the kids. And you never know when the next evangelist, next elder, next whoever, deacon, is coming to come out of kids' kingdom. So I want to let you guys know that your efforts aren't in vain. And then finally, teen leaders. Teen leaders, I used to be, let's give the teen leaders a hand. <laughs> teen leaders, thank you so much. You know, I used to be a teen leader. I know how it is. Sometimes you're just in there with the teens, and I love the teens. You know, but sometimes it just takes time to develop. Uh, I've never studied the Bible for more than a few months, and I studied with some of our teens for four to five years, or maybe three to four years. And uh, there were Ryan and Xander. And at the time, you know, honestly, I was, just to be, you know, vulnerable, I was discouraged. I was like, what am I not doing? Uh, what are they not getting? What am I not communicating to them? Because... I just never studied the Bible before, you know, for four years. You know, it was testing my faith. You know, I was like, there must be something in me. You know, I fasted, I prayed, and I realized, like, you know, it's not about me. And, you know, we can water, we can plant, but who makes it grow? God makes it grow. And, you know, we have Xander who just turned two spiritually last Sunday. And he's a team leader. I would have never thought that in a million years. Not that Xander was bad. I just never thought he would be in the team ministry. <laughs> uh, and it's so cool. I've seen him grow so much. You know, I'm so proud of this guy. You know, I think of Ryan Toomey. He's in uh, UC San Diego. And uh, just to see him, we had a chance to connect over Christmas break. And just to see how much he's maturing. You know, he's, he's very intellectual. And he's just deepening his relationship with God. You know, it's very inspiring. And I'm really proud of these guys for being such great, mighty men of God. Amen. You know, I have a, a practical for you guys with this time portion. You know, set a goal for the month and make time every day. And do the things that will help you towards your goal. Remember, it's the small things that you do consistently that's going to help you to grow. Amen? My last point today is going to be cultivation. What am I doing on time? Cultivation. You know, there's hidden progress when you're pruned by God. You know, let's read that passage. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 2. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it even be even more fruitful. You know, there's a method behind the beauty called pruning, right? The rose bush cannot reach its full potential without a systematic approach of pruning. 
Does anyone know what pruning look like? Has anyone ever seen it or done it? Yeah? Does the plant look better or worse than it did before? Looks worse, right? You're like digging holes, you're like cutting stuff off. It just looks so painful. If I was a plant, I would hate it. <laughs> it just looks so bad. But you have to remove certain branches to benefit the whole tree, right? The gardener cuts off healthy branches, sick branches, and dead branches. So the gardener has to choose which to prune because not all of them are going to bloom. Here's a rose, uh, excuse me, this is a um, rosebush tree or plant. This is actually right in front of the Marichi's house. This is not the Marichi's plant. Thank you. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there. They're not taking care of this. This is actually one of their neighbors on the side. But I took a picture of it because, uh oh, I took a picture of it because it just looks so dead. <laughs> it looked like it was so lonely. You know, it didn't, if you look closely, I know it's kind of hard to see, but if you look closely, there's a lot of dead buds. They're dying, they're like brown, and you got the leaves kind of withering. Uh, you got the ones on the bottom trying to bloom, but they're dying, they're dead. You know, and as a gardener, you have to cut them off. So what, the whole tree can grow. You know, the sick branches, I like to think of them as the diseased ones. You have to cut them off, because if you don't, they'll spread. You know, there are, sometimes they're like addictions, you know, like pornography, like drug addiction. You know, those things will stop you and they won't allow you to grow. You have to cut them off before it starts spreading. You know, I think of dead branches. You know, they're not necessarily bad, they're just taking up space. You know, there are things that are not necessarily sin, but they won't really help you grow. Like being in a relationship that you know it's not healthy. Or spending too much time on social media, Facebook, or CNN, or politics. Not too much of that is not good. But that can help, that can stop you from growing. You know, this is another picture. This is not in front of Steve's house. This is somewhere else. This is a rose bush that's fully blossomed and bloomed. You know, this is what it looks like when it's finished being cultivated. I want to look like that. I don't know about you guys. There's a verse that I want to read here in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, if you guys can turn there with me. It says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. You know, I want to kind of share about my life a little bit. And, you know, I've come up on stage here and shared a little bit before, but when I was younger, you know, my mom abandoned our family. You know, it was tough. You know, I, I don't know why. She left when I was about three. She left again when I was seven. And it took a big hit on my family. You know, my, it disconnected it. When she left, uh, my dad started drinking heavily, started smoking heavily. He was a single dad. And me and my little brother, we were confused. We don't know why that was happening. You know, we, just, we were just, you know, here. And... Um, you know, I think uh, there's a study saying that if kids could fully comprehend grief, we would actually get really sick or die. You know, because it's just hard to comprehend that. Even as adults, we know it's very hard to comprehend grief. You know, imagine kids. So we just can't identify what it is. You know, but when I finally became a disciple, I was grateful to be part of God's kingdom because I was also part of foster care. I got into foster care. I was adopted by a family. Um, but I was always longing for my family. It was always this desire of just not feeling completely loved. And when I became a disciple, I felt so loved. Like, I felt like I got it because I understand God's kingdom because I knew what it means to be adopted. You know, I felt close to, close to everyone. You know, that's why I appreciate all the brothers and sisters here. You guys are my family. Um, 
you know, when I was in the campus ministry, I also started dating. You know, I had a really, you know, good relationship. It was awesome, and I learned a lot. We helped each other grow. We encouraged each other. We stayed pure. We always prayed together. You know, those are things that I can boast in. You know, but we also had our rough patches. You know, we grew up with similar backgrounds. We were both hurt by our family, uh, upbringing, and it came out in our relationship. You know, we hit a lot of high encouragement times, but also a lot of low discouraging times. You know, we, we kind of, there was this cycle of just hurting each other because we both fully didn't grieve what we were grieving in our past. You know, neither, neither one of us was in a place where we were healed from our past grief, and we broke up. You know, that was probably the hardest time in my life, even more harder than my mom abandoning me, even more harder than being in foster care, even being confused because why? Everything finally resurfaced. I finally was able to feel what I was supposed to feel and I was grieving, you know, but I was in a dark place spiritually. I was upset at God. I was always questioning, hey God, why, why, why me? What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And I, my, my, my pain turned into bitterness and it turned to anger towards God. You know, it wasn't right, but that's what I was feeling. You know, but the breakup actually helped me to reach a breakthrough. You know, the best decision of my life today still is making Jesus Lord of my life. And there's a lot for a lot of you guys here. You know, but the second best decision of my life was actually completing grief recovery. And if you guys don't know what grief recovery is, it's a program to help you comprehend fully process grief. And I think Clay Jackson is doing it here. You know, if you guys haven't checked it out, I encourage you to check it out. You don't necessarily have to be going through something right this minute, but we just don't know how to process grief as a society. But I took the class, finished it, and man, did I learn a lot about myself. I learned that I was still angry. I learned that I was still bitter. And I understand where all my sin was coming from, my pride, that affected my relationship, my sense of control. I just feel like I was just so fearful. You know, that's where it came from. So, but why am I sharing all of this? You know, because there's a lot of things that happened to us when we were younger or growing up that was out of our control. We couldn't change it. It's just the way we grew up. You know, where situations used to mold our character, now as disciples, we can stop that cycle and Christ can mold our character. Amen? Like that pastor said. You know, if you feel changed to your past today, the thing you may look at today is, are you looking at God to be the molder of your character and of your past? You know, a lot of times we... When we feel like we're suffering or we're being pruned, we try to go away from it, right? It doesn't feel good to have holes digged in front of you. It doesn't feel good when you feel some, certain things in your life being cut off. You know, we, we want to kind of get away from that. But like that passage I just read in Isaiah, but that's the time God is molding you. You know, he's putting water on you. He's putting pressure on you. He's trying to sculpt you to become the person that he intends you to be. Amen? There's a story that I want to just kind of talk about, about the silversmith. You know, there's this person that used to always pass by the store of the silversmith, and he saw the silversmith uh, always taking the silver and making silver and finishing it. And so this person went in there asking the silversmith, hey, can I watch you for a second? The silversmith said, sure. Uh, and he's, so then he was just doing his, his, his work, and the customer was noticing, like, wow, he is constantly just standing in front of the fire, taking the silver and putting it in the fire, taking it out, taking it into the fire, putting it out. And the customer asked, do you always have to stand there in front of the fire? And the silversmith simply responded, yes, I do. Because if I don't and I just stood there, it would destroy the silver. If I didn't put it on the silver, the silver wouldn't be refined. It would still be impure. So then the, the, the customer asked, well, Mr. Silversmith, how do you know when you're finished? 
So Silversmith simply replied, you know, when I held it up to the light and I can actually see my reflection, then I know the silver is done. So why do I read the story? Why do I talk about the story? It's because, you know, spiritually, God is our silversmith. You know, he's taking us when we're the silver. He's taking us over the fire. Uh, even though it hurts for us, it's burning. He knows how long to keep our silver there. You know, it might feel too hot, he'll take it off. And then when you're ready, he'll put it back on. Uh, and just like, just like the silversmith, silversmith said, how does he know he's finished? Well, he can see his reflection. In the same way, when God could see his reflection in us, that's when you know he's finished. That's when you know you've been pruned. There's another, another little picture here I want to show of this girl. She sees her, her mirror image, and she sees Jesus. That's when you know you're fully pruned. That's when you know that your pruning is complete. When you can see Jesus, but more importantly, when other people can see Jesus. Amen? You know, you might be going through a time right now that's hard. You guys might be in a season of pruning. You know, I want to encourage you guys, don't give up. You know, Jesus knows what he's doing. He's holding you by the fire, but he's going to take it off. And when you're ready, he's going to put you back on. Because ultimately, he wants to see his image in you. Amen? I'm going to close off. Oh, here's a practical really quick for you, uh, for cultivation. What is one thing you can prune or cut off in order to enhance your spiritual life? Just one. What's one thing right now, I want you guys to write it down or think about it. One thing that you can prune or cut off in order to enhance your spiritual life. The social media, maybe it's toxic relationships. It could be sin, whatever it is. Focus on it, go after it. You know, I want to close off with the story here. You know, Lord Kelvin, I don't know if you guys heard of him, but he, in the 1900s, he was one of the most noted physicists of the day. He was one of the top brilliant minds of science. And he simply said, Whereas nothing new to be discovered in physics now, all that remains is more precise and more precise measurements. You know, in less than five years, a young Swiss patent office clerk, too poor at math to get good grades in school, by the name of Albert Einstein, rolled out five papers in his spare time, which exposed whole new worlds to be explored that we are still exploring today. Isn't that mind-boggling? Lord Kelvin said, there was nothing else. We just need more exact precisement. Precision. Five days later, Albert Einstein came out with papers that said there's all these worlds to be discovered. That's crazy. You know, and the guy before was the most brilliant guy in the world. <laughs> you know, but why do I read this passage? What am I talking about here? Well, we often think that the gospel has nothing new left for us in it. There's, there's nothing left to know about Christ, that we've arrived, that all that I need in my Christian walk now is I just need more precise thinking. I just need to be better. I gotta memorize more scripture. I gotta be better on being on time. I gotta be better in my purity. And we limit ourselves in how we can grow in our Christianity walk with God. But I wanna encourage you guys not to be like Lord Kelvin, be like Albert Einstein. You know, our relationship with God is something that should be always refreshing, always new, right? Something that we should experience and be renewed every single day. You know, there shouldn't be a limit to what we can grow. I wanna close off with this last passage here in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23. It reads, but the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Basically, you'll never arrive at one of these, right? Can you guys ever arrive at love? You're like, I've mastered love. Can you ever say that? No, right? When you think you do, God's going to put something else to help you love that better or that person better. Can you ever arrive at joy? I'm just complete in my joy. No, you can't. You know, you can't arrive in these things. You know, that's why the Bible talks about how 
you have to be growing in this in increasing measures, right? So that you won't grow ineffective. So let's recap here. My three points were nourishment, staying plugged into the source, being plugged into the power of Jesus. My second point was time. Being consistent with the small things. That's what's going to allow you to grow. My last point was cultivation. Are you allowing God to be pruning your life right this moment? And here's some closing practicals that I want to leave you guys at this moment. You know, have seven for seven quiet times with God this week. Try it. Let me know how it goes. A week from now, I guarantee if you guys do this, you guys will grow in some magnitude. My other practical is find your Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas relationships. You know, set a goal for the month and make time, excuse me, find your Paul, Timothy, Barnabas relationships. Look for them. You know, uh, 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 I don't know if I mentioned this, but we have so many great capable people here, right? But these relationships won't just happen, right? They have to be forged. You know, so I want to encourage you guys not just to find them, but go after them. Look for them. Initiate with them. Uh, set a goal for the month and make, every, make time for every day to do something to help you toward this goal. Whatever it is. Just simple things. I want to help you guys show you that there's hidden progress in no matter what you guys do. If you guys want to learn how to play the guitar on YouTube, try it. I guarantee that if you guys stay consistent, you guys will get good. Maybe not like Brian Craig, but you guys will get good. You know, what is one, one thing you can prune or cut off in order to enhance your spiritual life? Think about it. What's inhibiting you guys from growing fully that God designed you to grow? And if you're a first-time visitor, I hope this lesson was helpful for you guys. Uh, I hope you guys feel welcomed. Uh, set up a Bible study with someone. We would love to study the Bible with you guys and that you can learn more about these relationships and how to get in them. Um, church family, you know, if we stick to these points and practicals, God guarantees us that there will be fruit, that we will see our hidden progress. Let's be a church willing to put in the work in our lives so that the world can be impacted by our, our hidden progress. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.